Hello, everyone, and welcome to Note to Scene, a music news podcast covering everything from pop punk to metalcore. I'm Matt Crane. I'm Tyler Sharp. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, where every week we discuss and debate all the biggest news stories in the music scene. Find more episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, where you should please rate and review us. Email us at notescene at gmail.com. This week, Tyler and I are doing something special. We will be ranking the 10 biggest scene bands of 2018. We ranked the 10 biggest bands at the beginning of last year, and a lot has changed for these bands and their careers. And oh, how this list has changed as a result. All right, let's go. How's it going, Tyler Sharp? It's going good, man. How you doing? I made the mistake of clicking on Spotify's 2000s and chilling playlist. Oh, boy. Which takes you through all the big rock songs from 2000 to 2010. What was on there? Everything from (laughs) The Killers to Fall Out Boy to just all the generic radio rock. Uh, kind of ruined my day, low-key. Oh, no. <laughs> like, ruined your day in a you good realized, way or a bad way? It was just a whole decade, man. You yeah. Know? It's weird. Like, we never really realized we were out of the 2000s until, like, the late 2010s, I feel like. You know? The <laughs> 2000s, now. man. Yeah. They were a thing, you know? Like, it's over. It's over, dude. And so much has changed. So, uh, we're going to get into the top 10 biggest scene bands in a moment, but I... I, I I got some things I think we got to say about the Grammys first, which uh, were kind of a shit show. Um, so I think I think we should get our reactions on tape while everything is still fresh and flowing. So started on a bad note, right? Um, mm-hmm. Lord was the only album of the year nominee who was not allowed to perform solo. And... Um, she was the only album of the year nominee who was female as well. So mm-hmm. big problem there. And, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know, Lord is kind of <laughs> what I do. <laughs> so it's um, it, it was a very bad note for me. It was something I thought they were going to correct, you know, very quickly. I thought yeah. the Grammys would be like, oh, this is a clear, big PR error and oversight. But they didn't. They just kind of rolled with it. And it was, that was a bad start, I thought. It was a very bad omen for the start of the show. Yeah, it kind of felt like the Grammys stumbled out of the gates this year and just barrel rolled down the front stretch of whatever track they were on. It Once the show started, it just got worse and worse. My two biggest things, if I could take away from the entire show last night, was Ed Sheeran winning Best Pop Vocal Performance over Kesha. Right. Ed's Shape of You won over Kesha's Praying, and that is quite possibly the most ridiculous thing of the entire show. Just when you compare those two songs and praying was an actual top 40 hit. And in today's world, it's a very unconventional pop song. I mean, it's a piano ballad and she hits that crazy note in the song and then backed with her entire story of the thematics behind that song. I, I think it was blatant that she deserved it, but again, the Grammys play it safe and they gave it to Ed who Because, and I don't know for sure, but I think it was kind of obvious, he didn't show up 
as a way to stick it to the Grammys because he wasn't nominated for any of the top three <laughs> categories. So there's so the much thing, to like, unpack with that. Yeah, the, the Kesha thing is, you know, Shape of You, biggest song of last year, fine. It could win Song of the Year. Right. But when we're talking about the category of vocal performance, right. Kesha is a much better singer than Ed Sheeran. And particularly on that song, Praying, that vocal performance is fucking phenomenal. It's, it's ridiculous. It's undeniable. She hits one of the most insane notes I've heard, you know, a singer hit in the last five years. And there's no reason that she shouldn't have won. So that was one of the particular things that was problematic, which feeds into the overall narrative of the fact that only one female artist won during telecast. And that was Alicia Cara, who won for Best New Artist, which... You know, it's funny because I, I feel bad because I, I really wanted little Uzi Vert to win that category. <laughs> but when you actually compare it, you know, like, yeah, Uzi, Uzi had a lot of success. EXO Tour Life was a huge song. But, you know, I think when you actually look at it, they did make the right pick because Alicia Cara, she just had the biggest fucking year ever. I mean, Scars, yes. You're Beautiful was an undeniable smash hit. You can escape it. You know, Stay was huge. I think she was on a Marshmallow song. Like, she's just been everywhere. For somebody who is so new and so fresh, her presence was truly everywhere, and she had a huge impact on music this year. So I thought I thought it was a fair pick. But like, there's no reason why Kesha didn't win awards. There's no reason why there weren't more female artists who didn't win awards. You know, I think Lord should have won Album of the Year personally, but you know, <laughs> that's just me. SZA was nominated for like five awards and she didn't win any. True. And you know, True. that there was a lot of hype at that. But yeah, the elephant in the room. Fucking Bruno Mars, what, nine awards, right? Somewhere around there. But he swept the big three, which is right. the most ridiculous and most Grammiest move that they ever could have made. It's so ridiculous to, how safe they are. I have to say, like, you know, and we do this every year, Tyler. We bitch about the Grammys. It's <laughs> it's part of life and being in the music industry. But, like, this is the first time since maybe when they gave the Grammy for Album of the Year to Beck that I felt like I ha- I actually questioned are the is the fucking committee trolling us like yeah. giving this many awards to, to Bruno Mars and giving album of the year to Bruno Mars I mean this guy is not a musician he's an entertainer you know what mm-hmm. I mean he this is the thinnest music out there it's thin it's shallow it, 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 it's very gold plated not gold to borrow from one of our favorite <laughs> music critics uh, you know what I'm saying it's 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 just not album of the year, especially going up against something like Kendrick, which was way more culturally impactful and sold a lot more. You know, it's just it, they seem so out of touch by picking Bruno Mars here. He's just he's just like hot air. You know, there's just not there's nothing there that that album does not connect emotionally with anyone. It's not art. It's entertainment. And that's it- Exactly. It's for soccer moms across middle America. Like, that's who that album was made for. And any other parent who's trying to relive the 80s in a new wave sheen. Like you said, it doesn't, those songs don't mean anything. Kendrick actually put some sort of social context behind the right. thematics of his music and outside of the thematics like you said that record dominated streaming the first three fourths totally. of the year like it was kendrick's turned, year i mean he turned non-hit singles into hit singles so he turned songs that weren't you know what i mean radio friendly and they were just hit singles on the radio somehow it was be un- humble un- it's not <laughs> exactly. it's not a pop song but it was it was on the radio every minute you know he did it and I thought I think Lord made a fantastic album, and even and Jay Z at least made a personal album that was like an artistic statement. You know, Bruno Mars. Just, it was a statement. And you know, I'll say this: like, look, 
I get it. If you are the type of person who, you know, you're driving to the store and 24 karat magic comes on <laughs> and, you know, you just want to bop around and dance in the car and listen to it, you know, that's fine. You're a huge part of the problem, but okay, like <laughs> let it slide. You know, it's, it, it you know, you got to do you. It's just this guy, Bruno Mars, two Super Bowls now, he is just a scourge on music. And uh, I think I can end my rant there. Yeah. It, it, it is just a, the, obscene. I felt that was the most out of touch I've seen the Grammys ever. Totally. And and before we move on real quick, the viewer ratings were in and it was down 24% from last year. And it was the lowest uh, watched Grammy since 2009. The committee just doesn't have, uh, they're so yeah. unaware of what the youth of America is listening to right now. Bruno Mars, you know, Bruno Mars gets album of the year for 24 karat, you know, the thinnest, just fucking contrived thing ever. And meanwhile, Beyonce is still out here trying, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> right. like, it's so ridiculous. It, it can, it can really get you upset because that's all we have, you know, and what were we upset about last year, right? It was like the rock category. I think, um, Cage the Elephant won over Panic, yeah. Link, Cage, so Cage the Elephant, who don't matter anymore, who didn't matter that year, who didn't sell any records, lost, you know, won over bands like Panic, who who had just an incredible run, mm-hmm. Link, who did an incredible thing, mm-hmm. and even Weezer, you could make a case, that their biggest single in like 10 years, you know, the, uh, Cage sure. the Elephant, you know, it's like, it's almost as if they were like, who sounds the most like Foo Fighters, you know what I mean, <laughs> like, can we just pick that, and it, so that was our problem last year, you know, and this year it was just... And even just last year, it was Beyonce versus Adele for the big three. And Adele beat out Beyonce every time. And now we get Jay-Z getting beat out by Bruno Mars every time this year. It's like and Bruno what? shouldn't be coming into the Grammys like Adele. He's not fucking Adele. He shouldn't be right. sweeping. Adele Adele's role is to sweep. That Bruno. Oh man, I just yeah. I literally jumped off my couch last night after the last award <laughs> got announced. So I was just yelling no. I was like, this cannot be happening right now. I couldn't believe it, and the backlash has been real. So hopefully the committee gets their real. shit together. I, I see a shakeup coming because this there's this, gotta like, be. This year was exponentially worse than last year. Absolutely. It's just, it's getting bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. We got to move on, Tyler. Let's get into the uh, 10 biggest scene bands of 2018. A lot of bands have moved around. Um, this list has shuffled. Some bands have fallen off. But uh, before we get into the 10 biggest scene bands, I want to mention real quick the bands that we are not going to be including that you may think are scene bands mm. or emo bands. And that's the breakouts. Fallout Boy. Panic of the Disco, 21 Pilots, and Paramore. These are bands that have their roots in the scene, but they're just not scene bands anymore. They're not on that level. These are pop stars now. They have transcended the scene, in a sense. You know, once you enter Top 40 Radio, like Paramore did, like Fall Out Boy did, once you've sold platinum records like Panic of the Disco and 21 Pilots, you just kind of can't be compared to these bands on this scale. So we're strictly staying in the scene for this list, like we did last year. And with that, number 10, the 10th biggest band in the scene is Beartooth. What do you think about this one, Tyler Shower? How are you you feeling about Beartooth lately? When their last album dropped, 
I would have said no way that they break into the right. top 10 biggest scene bands. Because like we said on the show before, it stumbled out of the gates. But they had a single catch on rock radio. And while rock radio matters less now than it ever has before, it helped the band. And as we saw their Warp Tour sets uh, this past summer, they were drawing in the biggest crowds on the whole tour. So this band has momentum. There's a lot of hype behind their third album. And I'm happy for him. I loved Disgusting. It was one of my album favorite mm-hmm. albums of 2014. And Caleb is a genuinely like a great songwriter. I was a, pretty disappointed with the last album. I felt like there wasn't really any progression. But we'll mm-hmm. have to see. From from the teasers he's yeah, been we'll showing see so about far, that. it seems like he's going back yeah. to Disgusting, which is whatever. But I'm not sure if that's what he needs to really yeah. grow this thing. Yeah. Maybe lyrically, but, um, you know, I could see Red Bull kind of like, hey, you know, we've got some radio success here right. with what you, you did on the last album. Right. Let's kind of build upon that. But, you know, Ag- Aggressive came out, you know, and it sold 16,000 copies first week, mm-hmm. which I thought was really impressive. Bare Tooth. But like you said, the album just kind of faded at first. And, you know, that single hated just caught fire and connected with people in such a way that it really just fucking just charged this band back to life and you know they had huge crowds on warp like you said and now there is a real palpable hype for the new album and um that is why they're the 10th biggest band on here they were not on the list last year and they have just we were almost ready to count them out and they've climbed their way back into the conversation which is pretty crazy yeah it's in part to them beginning to build more momentum and other bands falling off super hard yeah the reason why they made it in the top 10 (laughs) (laughs) definitely definitely Okay, so number nine, the ninth biggest band in the scene right now is Falling in Reverse, a band we probably thought were going to fall off the list this year, but Mm -hmm. surprised us. Um, They came back with Coming Home, which was a shakeup in sound for the band, but it sold 19,000 copies first week, which surprised the hell out of me and Tyler, you know. Um, They went on a very successful tour. They, uh, They have over 1 million Spotify listeners which compare that to bear tooth bear tooth have about nine hundred thousand spotify mm-hmm. listeners so falling in reverse you know just consistently at this point you'd say they're off album cycle you know the cycles kind of died down they're still having over a million spotify listeners that's really impressive and what it is it is just ronnie radke he just has that core fan base that is just still there and they're still writing for him i think and, and the album turned out uh coming home to be one of the better scene albums to come out in 2017, which which was surprising. You know, songs like uh, what's the one we really love? I always forget its name. Hanging on, hanging on. Songs like Hang On, yeah, mm-hmm. and it was yeah. a surprise. Yeah, definitely. I was not expecting to like Falling in Reverse's new album that much in 2017, but especially compared to the other shit we got, that was definitely one of uh, my top favorite releases of the year. It really surprised us with a very ambient, ethereal, you know, Angels and Airwaves post-hardcore album. That was really cool to see. It had a, it was far from a perfect album. It had a lot of shit filler tracks on it. But like you said, Hanging On, Fuck You and All Your Friends, uh, the title track. Love that song. Great songs. I will say, you know, the album has really not sold that much other than First Week. Uh, I think last time I checked, don't quote me on this, but it was around 35,000. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, this album hasn't really sold shit. I think it's broke 40 at this point. 40? Okay, 35 to 40, somewhere around there. Still, it's really not that good for a cycle. That being said... They did the album with basically no camp, no press campaign for it. Yeah, um, they refused Lit- everything. Uh, 
or they didn't pursue it. We I don't know if either yeah. way. And since the album has dropped, they really haven't done anything. They played one Warp Tour yeah. date. They played some dates with like uh, what like Trapped or some butt rock <laughs> band. I can't remember what it wasn't yeah, Trapped. So you but had it was no, something. you had no real support for the album. Um, we were talking about it. Like, what's Apatow Records? They're labeled. What are they doing? You uh-huh. know, there was no real support. There's no rollout. There's no big music video. There's no alone video to get everybody talking. You right. know, and 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 coming home as a lead single was an odd choice. You know, it was the it was that. I think set up people's expectations to think the band was really moving further away from their sound than they actually ended up doing on the album. It was still a Falling Universe album, whereas Coming Home, not really a Falling Universe track. You know what I mean? Right, definitely. Yeah, I mean, the album is kind of all over the place in a way. You've yeah. got your post-hardcore Escape the Fate era Ronnie tracks, like Hanging On and Fuck You and All Your Friends, and then you got the really big tracks that are almost like MCR-ish, maybe, and then you've got like the bonus tracks, which were like fashionably late era, falling in reverse. So he, yeah. he kind of tried to bring everything to a climax here, so I am actually kind of interested to see what Ronnie does next album, because yeah. regardless of how the cycle has done, it, I think it's done well enough to warrant another, you know, there's still money to yeah. be made off Falling in Reverse. Oh, so absolutely. we're going to get and another Ronnie chapter just, of the band. Ronnie just as a brand is, is, yes. is continuing. And, and like you said, just the fact that there was no support behind this album and they, they've managed to get radio play. Like I yeah, think superhero is on the charts right now. It was you know? all the way and up they, to about 22 on rock radio. It's dropped pretty hard which now. You got to point out though, it's that's falling in versus first radio ever. Right? They've never ever. had radio play before. And epitaph is not really particularly good at pushing radio singles. And so that's impressive that, you know, the band have managed to get on rock radio. It's just, this band is surprised and impressed and, I think that's really a big reason why they're on the list this year. And Ronnie just sort of retaining that core fan base. I'm sorry to all of you Ronnie haters out there, but he's still here. He's, <laughs> he's still doing it. He's surviving <laughs> beyond all the big scene bands. And that's, that's, you got to give it to him for that. Yeah. Like, you know, I definitely would have thought Paris would be bigger than Falling Universe right? by this time this year, but it's just, right? it's not the case. It's crazy, man. All right. I think we're beyond falling now. What's next? Number eight, biggest scene band. Black Veil Brides. Boo. I tried to keep them off here. I tried. <laughs> but you know, somehow, Black Veil Brides, their newest album, uh, Veil, came out and it sold about 25,000 copies first week, which is impressive. At this point, any scene band, I think we got to start saying any scene band that can pop over 20,000 first week mm-hmm. are one of the biggest scene bands. It's just, you know, we just saw, you know, Of Mice and Men sell 9,000 copies. We saw Sickness Sirens sell 12,000 copies. You know, we're seeing, we saw August Burns Red sell, what, 18,000 copies? We're seeing all of these. It was 17, yeah. Yeah, these big scene bands not being able to crack 20,000 anymore, whereas in 2012, they could crack 50,000. And I think maybe 20,000 is just like the new benchmark for first week sales. And the fact that Blackville, you know, were able to crack it, is impressive, even though if you look back at their past, Wretched sold 40,000 first week, which was huge, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the next album after that, um, the self titled one, we saw dropped 29,000 copies. But again, this band, like Falling Universe, still has a million monthly Spotify listeners. And I think you can offer your take on this, Tyler, but my take is that this is the black, this band is not growing in any way. It's just this is the Black Veil Brides army, the BBB army, sort of castling up around their band and showing their support that first week and showing their support by doing those streams. 
And this band is, is going to carry that core fan base for pretty much forever at this point. They have reached their too big to fail phase. Like like kind of where AFI were with the Blood album. Mm-hmm. This is kind of where I see BB at this point. Yeah, I totally don't disagree with that. I think Black Veil Brides are just always going to have that core BVB army that is going to ride for them no matter what shit they put out. But something that needs to be said about this album and uh, another band that they're on tour with right now, what they did with uh, their tickets leading up to this album was that if you bought a ticket, what? you had an option to... Why you got to out the guys, Tyler? Why I you got to out them? It has to be said. It has to be said. So if you bought a ticket to their tour with Asking Alexandria, you had an option to redeem a copy of each of the band's new albums. Asking, while this promotion was going on, their album came out about a month before Black Fails, so they weren't able to reap all the benefits of the ticket pre-orders, you know, that would count towards album sales. Black Fails went all the way up until they released their album on, I think, what, like the second week in January or something like that. So those numbers are highly inflated. And from what I've read in certain places, Billboard's going to take a stop to that. I mean, th- th- that's how Pink right. sold 400,000 first week last year. Um, I think Kenny Chesney had a live album that went to number one and did like 250,000. Just ridiculous shit that doesn't need hey, to man, happen. Hey, man, Kenny Chesney's coming here and playing to a 50,000-person <laughs> stadium pretty soon. So, I, I you know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to take that I'm just saying, yeah. these numbers aren't, rep- if if we're going to count right. ticket sales as album sales, the numbers don't represent the popularity of that piece of music anymore. It represents the popularity of the artist. So that's True. where it gets kind of convoluted here. And I don't think 25K is necessarily representative mm-hmm. of where Black Veil Brides are right now. But regardless, they counted. And like you said, they have over a million monthly listeners on Spotify. They are on cycle, obviously, because the album yes. just dropped. So I like to point that out because when they were off cycle, they were all the way down to like 700,000. So yeah, and it, what we're talking about is when a band are on record cycle, when singles are dropping, right, the album's coming right. out, band have higher streaming numbers it's just kind of it's how it is and when bands fall off cycle their streaming numbers go down so to say blackville have 1 million on cycle it would not be as strong of a statement to say they have 1 million off cycle exactly so there's a lot that goes into bvb's numbers right now but we're making this list as it stands and right now they're just where they're at where they're at right now i mean they're not growing they're just they're continuing to fall down this chart. <laughs> they're, they're continuing <laughs> they're, to they're fall, slow descent. They're, they're able to stunt their downslope yeah. better than, say, Sleeping yeah. with Sirens or Of Mice and Men. Like, next year when we do this, they'll probably be number nine. And then the next Ugh. year, they'll probably be number ten. And then they might stay at number ten for a while. You know, they're just, <laughs> they're just going to hang around. But yeah, it's like a band that can do 20,000 first week, like Black Veil. 1 million Spotify streams, it's kind of in line. You know what I mean? So it's like the, the streaming does kind of back up the record sales here in a little bit, a little bit in a way that doesn't totally make me alarmist about the ticket thing. You know, I don't know how many people actually did that. So Yeah, right. So it it's, yeah, it's hard to say because uh, they didn't debut in the top 10. So we didn't get Billboard's report of what albums right. were and weren't counted through Which, the ticket caveat. It's very tough for a rock band to debut in the top 10 now because they're counting streaming and we have these just rap streaming giants, you know, like exactly. uh, like Uzi or XXX or whoever, you know what I mean? Um, just always, you know, or Post Malone 
or the fucking greatest showman soundtrack. You know, you just have these <laughs> streaming giants and stuff just knocking just knocking bands. It's really hard for a rock band to get in the top ten right now because rock bands don't have high streaming numbers compared to pop or what? rap. That's well, still, you know, this is a totally different conversation, but the fact that rock bands have low streaming numbers is just representative of the fact that less people are listening to rock music. So it's absolutely. reflective of the size of the band. Hey, man, I mean, rap is the new rock. You know what I mean? Rock, you know, rock star. I mean, Post Lil Yachty's a rock star, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Post Malone said it, you know, he stole it from Uzi, but he, he said it. And uh, rap is the new rock. And it's just how it is. All right, let's move on to number seven on the list. Asking Alexandria, I got to add an asterisk here. Asking Alexandria with Danny Warstop, our number hmm. seven. So uh, the band's new album, their self-titled record, came out and uh, did 22,000 copies first week. Um, that's a drop from the last album, The Black, uh, which did about 28,000 copies first week. But I think it's like an appropriate drop, just kind of considering the way things were going for the band. Mm -hmm. But that said, they're still at 1.3 million Spotify listeners. And success they have had that uh, Black Veil hasn't had or Falling hasn't had is their their single, Into the Fire, is actually climbing rock radio charts and actually having some success. So we're seeing Asking with Danny returning to some sort of mild success. They're not like blowing it out of the water here, but it's enough to land them at number seven on this list, I think. Right. And, you know, I got to have the same caveat that I had with Black Veil with asking because of the ticket thing. But like I said, it counted less for asking. It's sad that these bands just kind of all across the board almost just dropped in sales and we're just kind of averaging out whose pile of shit is bigger than the others. But... Like you said, Into the Fire, I still don't like that song. I don't think it's a good song. It's stalled at number 20 on rock radio, and over the last two weeks, it has climbed to number 13. So I think they might have a top 10 rock radio song on their hands, and maybe mm-hmm. a top five. You know, let's check back in in a month and or so. maybe maybe you're wrong, Tyler Sharp. Maybe it's a good song. <laughs> I don't. I will fight against that song all the way down. I think there's much better songs on their new album than that. But, um, yeah. What, I mean, you, like the Ed, you like the Ed Sheeran one better? Eh, I don't know. I mean, that one's fun. <laughs> I like Under Denver. Yeah. Let's just go EDM, you know? Let's bring or, back the oh, yeah. electronic core, I mean, but without the core. I'm just saying. We could not. Or we could not. I mean, <laughs> or we this, could this. not. Yeah. No, uh, I, I was a fan of Into the Pirate. I was a fan of just the rock radio direction. You know, I, I saw it as a good avenue for the band and it got me excited. Yeah. I and mean, yeah, I hope that single climbs, you know, it, if it gets in the top 10, I will be like, boom, success. That's good. That's all I want. <laughs> top five. That's it's a big ask. It's close. Um, They're climbing right along with uh, another band that uh, we're going to talk about. And then Breaking Benjamin, them, them and Asking have been like kind of dueling out position per, per position as they move up the chart the last two weeks because Breaking put out two new songs and the first one is yeah. just broken yeah. top 10 on rock radio. So I would just get out of the way of Breaking Benjamin. That is just an unstoppable <laughs> fucking force. You know, remember when they came back with their last album and it was like, it sold over, they got a number one record, it sold over 100,000 copies for like week, and everyone was like, where the fuck did this band come from? You know what I mean? Everyone was like, we forgot about them, and, and their fans didn't. You but know, they did so. the same thing in like 2010 with Dear Agony, wasn't it? And it went straight to number one, like their big comeback, um, so I don't know. Uh, That's bizarre. Agony. Was that the one that uh, led the lead single was I Will Not? 
I will, I will not, not bow. Uh, I will not bow. Yeah, yep. that was a big one. Yep. Yeah, That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. And that was after a whole membership member lineup change drama. Whole Everything bad that thing. could happen to a band happened to them. I think a label switch, and they came back and just crushed it on that record. It went gold so fast. I think it's They're platinum now. Monster. But yeah, get out of the way. Don't compete with Breaking Benjamin anymore. <laughs> asking Alexandria. Just, you know, take your win. But I, I think 1.3 million Spotify streams, like their streaming numbers are really doing really solid right now. That's really impressive. People are interested to see where the band can go with Danny yeah. at this it's point. It's better than Black Veils. They're, they're, pretty, they're yeah. crushing Black Veils as far as like individual song streams go. I think Black Veil only has one new song over a million on the new album. And like Into the Fire has like 7 million. I think it's getting close there. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, baby. Good song, right, Tyler? Uh, Good song. No, it's not on the vote. I think it's a bad you know, song. And w- one thing we didn't point out is that the Blackville album, and not to go back, but we're going back a little here, the Blackville album is pure trash. It's it's a dumpster fire. It's, Absolute it, it, garbage. It's one of the worst records that is a... It's easily one of the worst records of the year. I mean, I know it's <laughs> early in the year, but I'm confident that nothing not not a whole lot's going to come out that is worse than this black film every single is just garbage everything it's trash you know and whereas asking actually put together what at the time was a disappointing album for me but it, it's at least a competent one you know it, it's good, at least a well executed black film right word. you know the thing about them is they're just not good at music you know exactly they, they yeah. have members who just when you have members who literally can't play their instruments you know yes. i'm not gonna name names there are members in that band Come who on, don't know man. how to play their instruments we already ousted and, them on the show it's okay <laughs> it's okay and, and andy <laughs> is just not that spectacular of a singer he's yeah. not he's not he's not good he's it's... he's 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 a six out of ten at best you know, mm. tops makes me want to bash my head into a wall. But yeah, the asking album is competent. It's competent music, yeah. and the Black Veil they are, one they are, is just they are musicians. Yes. Whereas Black Veil are pretenders. Let's just let's just say it. You know, Black Veil are more about the message and the look and the community. Whereas asking can actually make some jams, as they showed us on past albums, yeah. like you know, Stand Up and Scream right. and Reckless and Relentless. But yo, real quick, did you see Danny's dropping his new solo album? You know, I saw something on Rock Sound, and I just did. I couldn't click on it, man. Is it is it gonna is it gonna be country? Oh, I don't know. I didn't even click on it either. I just saw the headline. What happened, Charlotte? <laughs> I had the laugh. Oh, that's what I said. That was my first thought. I was like, yo, Danny, where the hell's Harlot at, man? Your major label band assigned to Roadrunner Records that you just right? like ditched. Whatever. Right? I mean, they okay. suck. So. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's, let's move on to the sixth biggest scene band. Neck Deep. Neck Princes deep. of Pop Punk are in here. And I believe last year they were not on the list. We had them as like, you know, sort of an honorable mention. You know, yep. we kind of predicted that their rise would happen. And they have punched their way right to number six. Um, you know, their new album, The Peace and the Panic. 29,000 copies first week, based almost 30,000. That's huge, you know, from what they came from on mm-hmm. their last record. They blew, that's the definition of blowing the fuck up, having a first week like that, you know. They were the headlining band of Warp Tour. They had a really good Warp Tour run. They've got high streaming numbers, you know, they got about a million Spotify listeners right now. Um, uh, the album, Tyler, we both personally were not fans <laughs> of, but they showed that they can kind of get in the ring with the biggest and the best of them and put up the numbers and and that's what counts and they can still draw big crowds to their shows and uh they are one of the biggest scene bands now which is crazy because it doesn't seem like that long ago you know they were one of those 
young pop punk bands and they were smaller than real friends or maybe even smaller than state champs and they've just blown right past all those other pop punk bands into becoming a real blue chip triple a caliber kind of band i agree with everything that you said there they have completely separated themselves from the rest of the new slash old wave pop punk of 2013 to 2015. Can we but, just call them the rust bucket wave now? Like it's, it's, I think we need a new name. They're all falling off. The rust bucket wave of 20, 2013 Knuckle to 2015. The, the going nowhere wave. Oh, you know, the, man. the old new wave. Right. So... I have to point out, like we have every time we've talked about this band, they had pre-orders live. I mean, it was the, it was the most thought-out plan, most blatant way to cash grab pre-order sales ever. You know, it was just a no-brainer. They launched them before Warp Tour. They had them available at the merch table all summer long. Fans bought them off blind, you know, ambition because the band put out a spectacular album called Life's Not Out to Get You. And one of the best pop punk albums of the easily of the last five years, like oh, hands down. I would know, say top five, yes. probably. It's yeah, in the top I mean, five. Top three. Yeah, just like off my head. Definitely. It's in the conversation. It's, it's in the conversation. It's a fantastic record. And what happens yeah. when you write a fantastic record? It sells and you get momentum. I mean, it's just you know, it, Tyler, there's a correlation whoa, 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 whoa. there. Why you got to go on my boys? Though? Leave them alone. OK, like, they, you know, they did the Warped Tour thing be... and, you know, they had fun on Warped Tour. It's the last time a band's going to get to do this Warped Tour run, sell a bunch of records. Congrats, it, but it's false hype. The album's no. shit. I, yeah, it, it's a bad album. And but, if, um, if, if if they would have had a normal lead up, they wouldn't have sold 29,000 first week. They would have sold. I think they would have increased right. because they just have, you know, can we, fans. Tyler, are, can we just let Warped Tour is coming to an end? Can we just let them have the awesome warped sales that we're never we're probably I never going to see this kind of I run can't. again it's you not just let accurate. them have it man. it's false just let them man. have it. it's not Damn. accurate because we're gonna find out on this next neck deep record they are not gonna sell twenty nine thousand, and i will be very very surprised if they break 20k on their next album which means I mean, they'll unless, have their worst debut since their debut album i mean unless I mean, unless the lead single is like all the small things part two or something. You know what I mean? Like, there's just no way. And there's a chance there if they have a big. They lead have single, no radio, rock radio success. I mean, rock radio doesn't give a shit about pop punk. Um, yeah, no, there's there's no rock radio avenue for them. I agree. But I just think um, I they've just cemented them themselves in this solid place as a big band. They draw big crowds. I I, I don't think. I don't. I don't think we're gonna see that big of a sales drop. From them. I we, think we can just agree to disagree there. Big sale, like maybe, I think they're gonna do like seventeen, eighteen thousand next album. I don't think so. This band is—they're just on another level at this no. point. No. Oh man. Anything I else? Cannot anything wait. else? No, we got anything move else on. you got to add to uh, Neck Deep. We go back and forth on Neck Deep all day, but it, okay. don't believe Let's the hype. Let's move on to kids. number. I mean, believe what you want, but this is a big band, <laughs> and I think they're here to stay. Um, number five, Pierce the Veil. Um, this is a very interesting one to talk about. I believe last year we had them at number three. Yes. Um, there was a point in time when Pierce the Veil would have been number one or number two, you know, but they waited too long after Collide with the Sky, which was one of the biggest selling scene records of the last five years, probably it sold over 300,000 copies. Mm -hmm. Um, it's probably getting close to 400,000 copies right now. 
It was the biggest fucking record ever. It made them fucking superstars. But the band just, you know, they waited way, way too long. And by mm-hmm. the time they put out Misadventures, the hype had kind of died. And um, the album sold 54,000 copies first week, which is big. And it was their biggest debut ever. But that band at one point probably could have sold like 70 or 80,000 copies, you know, at their peak. Would you agree, Tyler? I mean, dude, I remember you and I talking once that album got announced and the lead up to it, we were thinking like 90. I mean, yeah, it was, like, it was getting it, close to 100,000. That's where we thought that because the hype was there at one point. And everybody I talked to in the industry was like number one. Yeah. Everyone thought Pierce was going to get the number one record. Everyone was so sure of it. And they just kind of underperformed 54,000. And part of it, I think, was the Divine Zero, you know, just kind of killing some of their momentum. They released that Warped Tour single. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the album was... Uh, I, I've grown to like the album, you know? Like, I like Circles, and I like, you know, some of the other songs on it. What's that one they just put out recently? They did the acoustic version. Today um, I Saw the Whole World. Yeah, I actually really like that song. Probably and, you the know, most Peep, little, throwback. Yeah, little Peep throwback, I would agree. Yeah, and little Peep covered it, and uh, it was fun. Their tour situation is kind of iffy which is again why i think they've fallen down on this list to number five like we saw them playing thousand cap they're playing the same size venues you know as like a falling universe or a black veil brides and it's like pierce should be playing at least to two thousand people a night you know i feel like and, and they're not anymore you know they did the support tour with rise against but i just don't think that they're crossing over anywhere you know, like Circles had rock radio success and it was super cool to to hear Pierce the Veil on the radio. Right. But I don't think they sustained any momentum that they may or may not have gotten in the rock radio circles. They're still just Pierce the Veil. And when you combine that with, you know, the events that uh, unfolded over in November and now, you know, Mike is no longer in the band for the time Mike. being... Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, careful. I mean, Mike is taking a break, quote, for the, the time yeah. being. Yeah. Um, Mike will be back. Yeah. So right now they sit at uh, number five and they just they're not growing. That's the problem. Yeah. They, and they fell. They've, they've gotten right. smaller. Like we right. saw from the shows they played. They're just people are less interested in Pierce the Veil than they were two years ago or three years ago, especially for that matter. And that's just the case. We've pointed out the reasons they fell. The things that are kind of holding them up here, you know, they have 1.2 Spotify, 1.2 million Spotify listeners. Mm -hmm. They still have that big Pierce brand name. There's Mm -hmm. a big celebrity factor. Vic, Jaime, Tony, you know, I don't even want to say his name. My Mike (laughs) is a big celebrity too, but you know, that's a complicated issue right now. We're not going to dive into and you got to give them credit for Circles. That was a big radio, rock radio single for them. And yep. I didn't think Pierce the Veil, I thought I'd never hear Pierce the Veil on the radio. And right. to give them even more credit for that, they played a bunch of like radio station rock festivals. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know like what kind of hype they maintain, but they have gotten in with those rock radio programmers. You know, they played all their, you know, X Fest festivals, you know, and all their little bashes. So I think when the next Pierce album comes, their their radio single they push might be welcomed with open arms. So, I mean, that you know, just looking for some of the positives for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the reason why they're still at number five is because this cycle wasn't a complete wash for them commercially. No, you know, they saw the big and first week. They had 
success outside of the scene in certain in a certain capacity. So that's why they're so right. where they're at. But I mean, we just have and, to. Um, we just got to admit that Misadventures wasn't the caliber of album that Collide with the Sky was. So on this next no. album, they really need to deliver the, that caliber of songwriting. They're not out for the count. They have a chance to right. come back. And in the album, it sold over a hundred thousand copies total, which is is really good in today's day and age. But when you compare that to Clyde with the Sky, ouch. That's Definitely. a big it's a big nosedive. But still any band that can sell over a hundred thousand copies in the industry right now, especially if you're a rock band, you're worth right. a lot. With a lot of different, you know, agents agencies labels managers so pierce are still a big force to be reckoned with and we can't count count them out yet you ready to move on tyler yep let's roll all right number four and i i can't say it man you gotta say it number four <laughs> I, I almost want to make not, you not, say I'm not, it i'm not gonna do it I'm not you can say it all right the fourth biggest scene band right now in january 2018 is i prevail how does that make you feel matt my goodness. It makes me feel, you know, like not as bad as when they announced Warp Tour was over, but oh my god. The same range of emotions, you know. Mm-hmm. Um it's where do we begin? I prevail. Bad musicians. Um <laughs> bad at music. Just not they are terrible at music. They don't know how to play music and um they make the most generic watered down copy of a copy of a copy of a day to remember you ever heard <laughs> yet their album lifelines is it is it it's their debut right or is it their sophomore sophomore okay but the first one didn't really matter right right I mean, lifelines yeah it's their world debut you right say. like definitely their debut on the world stage sold almost twenty thousand copies first week and you might be wondering how the fuck is this band bigger than Pierce the Veil, which by the way, I prevail and Pierce the Veil share the same record label, Fearless mm-hmm. Records. Um, I prevail have sold over a hundred thousand copies in a much shorter time than Pierce the Veil did. You yep. know? So while I pre- and with a much smaller debut. So I prevail debuted with less than half the record sold of Pierce, and a lot of that is owed, you know, to the fact that Lifelines produced alone which was a top five rock radio smash and really got the band that rock radio audience. And, you know, they got 1.2 million monthly Spotify listeners and they're just a fucking big force. And we can't, we can't seem to dodge this one. Yep. It's becoming more and more uh, right in our face. The monster that is I prevail. I mean, lifelines sold 19,000 first week and we thought it was crazy back then that they outsold right. <laughs> of my and men issues crown the empire. Now yep. the album's been out for what? 14, 15 months at this point, And it's sold what, 110,000 copies somewhere around there. This band was built on a social media strategy that worked and yeah. they and... got their hooks in front of the people that, a day to remember can't right now. And that's why it's working so well. You know, like we've talked about on the show many a times before, there's, there's something beautiful about how families are going out to see this band and, right. and, and it's bringing, it brought people. It, do, to, it does kind of make you want to vomit, but yeah, it is, it, it is beautiful. I'll give you that. In, in, in a scene that's just absolutely falling apart. It, it sucks to have to, to talk about a band such as I prevail but they're doing something that no other band is doing right now. And they, yeah. they've grown from nothing. You know, it, they, sh- they proved that 
they weren't just a cover band. They weren't just a band yeah, who's no, going to be remembered they, they, for their Taylor Swift cover. They have hits. They, pro- they, they proved me wrong. That's for sure. Um, you know, they're, they're tour. They're playing Thousand Caps, just like Pierce, except from what I can tell, their tour went way the fuck better than Pierce's did. You know, I have heard that's crazy. that they, they fared much better than Pierce the Veil uh, as far as touring goes in 2017. So it's wild to think that at this point now, there's a power change at Fearless Records where you could say I Prevail is now Fearless, Fearless Records' biggest band. It's not Pierce the Veil anymore. There was a, that's a big swing. Like, that is a huge swing Fuck. of power on How this power rankings list. in the world did Fearless Records How? end up with the biggest bands in the scene? <laughs> Wasn't <laughs> this supposed to be Rise? Wasn't this supposed to be Rise's job to produce the scene's How? biggest band? How did we get here with I Prevail at number four? That's just, you know, that's what I wonder. But here we are. And like you said, it is beautiful. It's both gross and beautiful that the music <laughs> is so generic and bland and broad and lowest common nom- denominator appealing that it is able to get the dad and the mom and the kid to all go to the show together. It's That's nice. But yeah, it's just unfortunate that this low caliber musicianship has to be carrying it. But, you know, hey. At the end of the day, I'm rooting for the band. I, I want mean, you know any scene band. Dude, I want you to have your success. And look, they're looking like you know the next record could fucking come out and sell like forty thousand copies first week, man, maybe even fifty. If you know they what I mean? play their they're social media well. strategy right, I think they could do something crazy, man. Like seventy five. Yeah, and you know? they come out with another. They come out with another alone or something even bigger, you know? Right. I mean, they got in the top five this time. Who knows? Then their next lead single could go to number one on Rock Radio. They have and, all the connections now. It. You know, yeah, as long as they it. just deliver that generic chorus hook, then they're good to go. Yeah. But um, I Prevail are the product of a dying scene, and you yeah. got to give it to them. Yeah, they're kind, it and they're kind of getting out as the scene's like right. going down on fire. They're kind of like stepping out and right. grabbing onto that radio lifeboat, you know? They have <laughs> they're to gonna, because there's nothing They're going to survive here. at Rock Radio. Yeah, there's okay. nothing Okay, um, anything else, Tyler? I don't think so. I don't like talking about this okay. band. <laughs> Number three, All Time Low. This is an interesting one because All Time Low, I think we have them basically in the same spot as uh number three they were around here number three number they four were last number year. two last year okay so they've dropped down one which seems appropriate future hearts was a complete not future hearts i'm sorry um last young renegade last young renegade was a complete disaster and a tragedy for this band they sold thirty-five thousand copies first week which is huge compared to these other bands but for all time low that's really bad. Future Hearts, the record before it. How much did that sell, Tyler? Well, so Last Young Renegade Traditional did 30,000 first week, and it did yeah. 33 with streaming. And then Future Hearts did 80 traditional, 85 with streaming. So roughly yeah. 50K drop both ways. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, it was a disaster as far as an album goes. None of their singles sticked, and they kept trying to make single, singles stick. And it was just getting to the point where it was embarrassing. You know, like they're pushing good times on top 40 radio. Like just that was sad. a waste of money. Just you know what I mean? Sad. Like who? what a waste of everyone's time. Why even try that? And the record was bad. But despite them putting out a really terrible record, they're still all time low. They have 2.8 million Spotify listeners. That blows anyone else on this. That more more than doubles anyone else we've mentioned on this list so far. They still play big venues. They still have a crazy fan base. 
their fan base is just still super engaged and huge, and there's still just that legacy and the celebrity of Alex and Jack is still carrying this band and keeping them as one of the biggest bands in the scene. So I think number three is a very appropriate spot for them at this point. They're just they're they're still at that level where they're you know they're bigger than your typical scene band, but they're not there with a Fall Out Boy or a Panic or one of the bigger Fuel by Ron bands. You know they're still in that in between stage kind of. Maybe they've been knocked on a peg with this record, but all time low can rebound. You know they can put out another pop punk thing mm. that everyone's gonna love and appeal to their core fan base, and they're right back in it. Man, I don't know about that last statement, but. I'll just say shouts <laughs> to the back catalog on streaming services. I mean, I listen to the Put Up or Shut Up EP at least once a month. And that's shouts the thing. to Jay-Z they're, Ray, they're, Coffee Shop they're, soundtrack. They're, they're like Blink, you know? Right. They're like a mini Blink. Like, they're just always going to be a big band. Right. You know? They, yeah. they, they put out another garbage record next next cycle, and they'll still be on this list. Yeah, right. It's, it's good. It, it will take a lot of things to move all time low significantly further down this list. You For know? sure. And it was, you know, a funny thing to mention is we talk about uh, uh, on the show, we talk a lot about how bands, when they start doing anniversary shit and focusing more on their past than their future, it means that their past is, is brighter than what their future looks like. And, all Time Low have been doing So Wrong It's Right anniversary shows in the UK super late last year, and I think they're they're doing some some stuff right now or whatever. They just announced it, uh, which is funny because the album is now going to be 11 years old, and they're still doing 10-year anniversary shit for it. But they did that super last minute, and it's boiling over into the next year because they were planning on having an actual like successful cycle on this new album which has turned out to be a complete failure so they've had to resort to make some money they've had to resort back to so wrong it's right and the shit that everyone actually wants to hear and they've had to relearn how to play all those songs and you know maybe this this all if this all had gone right like you know they signed a feel by ramen it was the perfect match Mm -hmm. and maybe you know had dirty laundry took off as a single or they had actually made a good record right we're looking at a very different situation where they blow up and maybe they're on top 40 radio and maybe they're, 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 they're positioning themselves to play a small arena tour. You know, they were really could have been there instead. We're playing anniversary shit. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So that's where all time low are. They're still all time low. They ain't going anywhere, but they didn't grow. Um, Number two, what is the second biggest band in the scene? Tyler Sharp. So this is a bit different from last year. It is, a day to remember. So, uh, a day to remember had an interesting cycle off this latest record, Bad Vibrations. Um, I would call it uh, disappointing. Um, it was not as big of a deal as Common Courtesy. You know, I think the numbers are hard to find, but I think Common Courtesy did around ninety thousand copies first week. Right, the band there. were just flying fucking high. They were the biggest thing ever. They were obviously the biggest scene band. You know, they have their own festival. They're huge, but when Bad, Vibra- Bad Vibrations came out, it um, it, uh, it sold 60,000 copies first week, which was, seemed a little low, didn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, that was a 30,000 unit drop. And we were thinking, I, I can remember you and I talking uh, on the campaign up to that album. We were thinking 100K. Like, why not? Oh, yeah, easily. You know? They were easily a 100K band. They're a day to fucking remember. Right. And you know what it was, was those... Those Bad Vibrations singles, you know, while they were interesting and different and dark, 
they just weren't, you know, the blowout big fun singles everyone really wants from a day to remember, you know? They need All I Want Part 2. And right. Bad, those Bad Vibration singles were not that. And, and if you're going to do heavy, do it right, like Second Sucks. Exactly. You know? That got exactly. everyone so stoked for what separates me from you. And they just kind of were in between on Bad Vibrations. And, you know, they what they really did here was they tried to make their radio rock record. And to give them credit, they had success. Uh, Paranoia was a huge rock radio single. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say probably the biggest rock radio single. Mm. God damn it. You got to give it to I Prevail. I think the I Prevail song was bigger. (laughs) A Day to Remember's Paranoia was probably like the second biggest rock radio single on this list. Um, It was just played all the time and it did really well for the band. The record sold over 100,000 copies. They're Mm -hmm. right there with Pierce as far as sales go. That's significantly lower than what Common Courtesy ended up selling, which I think was closer to 200,000 copies. Right. Um, But they still got over 2 million Spotify listeners. They're still a day to remember. They're still a huge fucking band. And they're definitely not not out for number one. Like, you know, next year, things could swing and they could be number one again. They're just... They were our number one, and they have been dethroned. They're not number one anymore. They're number two. Right. And, you know, they have 2 million monthly Spotify listeners, and they are 100% off cycle at this point. Right. So I have not heard anything. I have heard no whispers. I mean, you want, you want, Tyler Trevor, you want to be a jackass? Do you want to shout like a homesick <laughs> back catalog while, while we're here? Like, <laughs> I, mean, real quick? <laughs> I mean, I listened to Homesick in full last week. No shame. No shame. <laughs> and I'm sure many other people did as well. But uh, yeah, yeah, they have a killer back catalog. But I think there are a lot of people that are actually still listening to Bad Vibrations. For whatever reason, they sent that shitty uh, Same About You song to radio. It ain't doing nothing. It can't break 40 on rock radio. Um, they tried with uh, they tried with Bullfight as well. Which and that I made think it to 20. You know, it, 20. It, it, I mean, it limped to 20. Right. Yeah, and then it was just gone. And then like it just fell right history. off. But the next album is so important for this band. I really think, you know, with, with the last album, they lied and said that they had no <laughs> they album lied. planned. And they, <laughs> they had no album planned. And they had no idea what anyone was talking about. And they had that bullshit attitude. Same bullshit that they had with Common Courtesy. I mean, it's the same shit over and over and over. So when A Day to Remember goes silent, we can expect an album. That's what we, you know, as far as learned behavior goes. I don't know. Late summer release, maybe, if I had to just throw a dart on the board. But um, this next album is going to be very important for this band. And, and you know, we'll see. Yeah. If they could write another All I Want, I think they're going to be in a really good spot. But Well, here's, we'll here's what's see. interesting about um, Bad Vibrations is I think they hadn't quite finished the victory lawsuit. They were still embroiled in it. So I don't mm-hmm. believe they were allowed to sign to a record label. So what they ended up doing was they partnered with Epitaph Records for this release, which not a lot of power there, Epitaph Records, you know, and it's impressive that a day to remember we're able to get a strong radio single like Paranoia because Epitaph doesn't have a good track record True. of pushing radio singles. So they didn't really have big machinery behind them you know if and they made this this rock radio transition where they kind of set themselves up as a radio rock band and and less of a scene band than they had been before so they're in a position now where they won the lawsuit with victory mm-hmm. every major label wants to sign them right you know and and it's a matter of are they going to do it or not and if a day to remember sign with the major label and get that huge push we could see them becoming one of the biggest rock bands around today, period. 
Absolutely. It's possible. Yeah, that's a great point that I tend to forget to bring up when we're talking about a day to remember, but they are completely free from victory records. Yeah. And it's, it's so weird to talk about because we just, they've just been synonymous. You're always like, Oh, a day to remember have that, you know, ball and chain of victory records tied to their ankle. That's just how it's always been. But yeah, I mean, right. they got paid $4 million in that lawsuit. Right. And uh, it was a pretty, pretty unprecedented uh, decision by the courts in that one. But um, you're right. They're free agents and they totally, totally could sign to a major. And that just makes me even more excited to see what a day to remember I mean, and, for and, this next and album. And I could see a big a big one. Like I could see a, you know, a Sony or a Columbia or right, not a road runner, wanting not to sign a road I mean, As far as I know, yeah, not a roadrunner, not a smaller major like an F- right. FBR or something. I, you know, as far as I knew back in the day, Interscope was courting them, you know, way back in the day. Um, we're talking like what separates me from you time. And that was kind of behind of what might have caused some of the drama with victory. So mm. If Interscope's still interested, that's very interesting. If all of a sudden we have them, you know, on the Interscope Geffen AM label sure. group, you know, a very powerful force. And to and see what this band could do, they could tear shit up, you know. Totally. With the right music, they could, with the right music yeah. and the right backing, this band has 100% potential to be able to do something big. And from what yeah, I heard so... back when the cycle was rolling out from Bad Vibrations, thing, uh, Parties were not happy on either side of the band yeah. label board. You know, Epitaph just wasn't the the right fit. It they just, really it did, weren't. They, they really weren't. They, it, it was a weird move. And, you yep. know, we saw Sleeping do that for one record. Yeah. You know, and Sleeping do yeah. that for Madness. And they were like, ah, you just... Epitaph just can't really push a massive band. Falling Universe is kind of where they cap out as yeah. far as big bands go. They can't they can't push you to that next level. And right. I think a day to remember I've learned that lesson. And but that's ultimately why they're number two and not number one this year. Okay. The number one biggest scene band, Tyler Sharp. I'm gonna give you the honor of All naming right. them. Right. These are this is the band right here. Bring me the horizon. And I'm sure you could have assumed that by now. But by now. This is it, man. Biggest band in the scene. They're, they have arrived. It's undeniable. So that's the spirit, their latest record. Came we start first off we started off with drown which was just the biggest biggest song ever you know the best sort of lead single to ever happen in the, one of the best lead singles to ever happen in the history of the scene mm-hmm. at a time when the scene is going down bring me gave us hope and um, that's the spirit came out and did sixty thousand copies first week which was huge the record has gone on to sell around one hundred and eighty thousand copies total in the U.S., which blows away any other band on this list. I mean, I think just on record sales alone, you can be like, "There you go, we beat y'all." Right? Um, exactly. They sold. They sold. You know, they almost sold double a day to remember. They sold. You know, way more than uh, I Prevail, way more than Pierce. They're up there. They have 2.5 million Spotify listeners. And also, they had radio success. Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere, Happy Happy Song was a huge radio song. Probably right there with Paranoia and A Day to Remember. Happy Song was right there. It was a big rock radio song for them. So not only did they grow and mature as a band sonically, but they also hit the radio market and pleased their core fans. And it's they're just in this really good space where they're just ready to just blow up even more didn't throne get some spins too on rock radio i believe it yeah and and it also was a very good streamer for them yeah i mean that's their biggest song on spotify right now and it has 89 million streams (laughs) 
That's absurd. <laughs> that's like an Ariana Grande song. Like, that's absurd. And I mean, there's not one song on That's the Spirit under 10,000 or 10 million. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You um, were at the AP office when that, and I, I think I told you what I was like, this is the best song I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. I think we <laughs> talked about that last episode. I was sitting there, I was just getting ready to leave. It was the day after APMA's 2015, and that song dropped. And <laughs> we got back to the office after lunch, and you're like, this is the best song I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> After one listen, I yeah. was so in. Yeah, Just to hear them go Lincoln, and we, they did so many unique things on that record. They went Lincoln Park on that song. They make drown, which is kind of this woozy emo thing that was awesome. They just happy song is a radio, a rock radio. They just did everything. They did whatever you know. They showed they really flexed their range as musicians. Totally. And, creative individuals and you and i have put our lines in the sand of where we want this band to go moving forward i want them to go more doomed follow you oh no to a lesser extent right. drown and you want them to go more happy sound happy song and i'm throne, just like true friend. give me throne, throne. <laughs> i'm just hitting lines of throne just throne, throne. part two through ten throne for the next two, album throne part three <laughs> Drown part two. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I think they want know, I, to be a big band, and I think that their team behind them is going to you know, help them realize that uh, rock radio is not necessarily the place to go. I think we're going to still get those bangers, but yeah. I'm not sure if... I think we're going to see more of a Doom-type song be pushed as the first single. It's almost like rock radio, the success with Happy Song was just kind of a bonus, like a byproduct. Exactly. That, that wasn't the main story here. The no. main story here was that they just became a big band exactly. with a big following and maybe we see them play Coachella you know next year or something like they they want that sort of they want to make that sort of move so mm-hmm. i mean that's they're, possible you know we were hearing whispers about that from their management back in when that's the spirit drop in 2015 yeah. like they wanted to be a coachella core like that yeah. you know that's yeah. what and they that's have what their uh, team is going they for. have they're under raw power management which is a very powerful management company that has their back so right. and they're signed right now to i think columbia records yep no 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 really columbia? i'm pretty sure it was columbia yeah well if they're signed to columbia records that's I'd say that's the second biggest record label out there behind Atlantic right now. On, so. on their Spotify page, uh, I don't have the record label put up, yeah. but the credits go to Sony Columbia. Music. so Which is the owner of Columbia, yeah. so that would make sense. Yep. Yeah. So they're on Columbia, which is, at a time, I don't know, it's either Atlantic or Columbia is the biggest record label. So they have big machinery behind them, pushing them too. And they have a good vision, it seems. And, you know, I think they're just going to, they're probably just going to do something fucking new and cool on the next record that will just totally surprise us. That you know, keyboardist, man. That keyboardist knows how to write <laughs> the bangers, man. Jordan, he knows how to write them. So uh, I'm, I can't wait. This is my most anticipated of the year. That's the spirit was my most anticipated of 2015. Uh, this is my most anticipated of 2018. I am so excited to see what this band's going to do because you know it's not going to sound like that's the spirit. They're going to come back with a whole new new approach the rollout's going to be massive do you remember how how excited how how big that rollout for that album felt when happy song dropped yeah. like on that sunday oh my gosh yeah. dude it felt like twitter just shut down for bring me so oh yeah i'm so excited for this band and this album and I'm a band just... that was once a a, a grimy death band, you know, <laughs> Yo, which is just hilarious to point out shouts shouts to 2006 man count your blessings they've done it all yeah they were a, gr- a grimy deathcore band they were a really 
fun, bouncy metalcore band. Yep. They were kind of an, an emo metalcore band, and mm-hmm. they were kind of this, this weird thing on Sempaternal that was fucking awesome. And <laughs> now here they are as this uh, multifaceted rock band. Monster, on, man. Uh, yeah, just that can pretty much do anything at this point. Um, as long as we keep... Uh, Ollie Sykes away from uh, covering Linkin Park songs at the uh, <laughs> show because I don't think he did a good job and I was upset with that. I thought he could have did. Come on, man. Uh, indie... Why couldn't we just forget about that? <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I couldn't. I, couldn't, I can't let him go. I, one step closer. I love that song. I love Linkin Park. Ollie, I expect more of you if you're going to do something that important. Ugh. Yeah, I was I was ready to forget that, but um, yeah, yeah, super stoked for this. I'm glad that we, we get just to got. Talk. We, that's the thing about Ollie. We gotta hope the rock star. He's getting a little bit of that rock star fucking fever. I feel like like it's really seemed uh, like it's starting to get to his head. Thinking you can just walk out there at a Chester Bennington tribute show and and, and not fucking give it your all, you know? I just come I don't on, know. man. Um, we know he's a cock star. We know he we've seen that star. dude behind yeah. the scenes. The guy I who mean, called five out years Kellen ago. Quinn. The guy who called out Kellen Quinn for being a <laughs> cock star. The guy who invented the term <laughs> cock star is is becoming one. And it, so I just hope his bandmates can keep keep him in check, you know. I mean, he's going to need it because they're. I mean, you think he's going to jump on Coldplay's table again in an award show? Dude, I fucking hope so, man. That (laughs) shit was so awesome, man. I was at AP when that happened. You weren't. And I just, that whole morning after that happened, it was just traffic was off the charts. It was the coolest fucking thing. More scene bands need to do shit that we could talk about instead of releasing shitty albums. Note to scene (laughs) trivia here, but I believe the first episode of Note to Scene, we talk about that story of ollie jumping on that table yeah did we talk about the biggest moments of 2016 <laughs> yep. yeah yep, yep, yep. that was up so there i want to go back to the first ones. episode which i don't recommend you do because we probably didn't know what we were doing back then <laughs> that was 50 episodes ago um okay well that is it for the show this week everyone thank you so much for listening if you enjoy the show please take the time to rate and review us on apple podcasts Give us those five stars and we will love you. If you have any questions for the show, which we will be getting back to listener questions, feel free to email them to notecnjmail.com and we will happily talk about them on the show. All right, see you next week. Bye.